Listen, Richard, only five years after the state of Israel was established, Israeli pioneers and nature lovers established the SPNI in the spirit of preserving some of the overpowering natural beauty that surrounded them. It's hard to fathom Israel's rapid transformation to what it is today, but if we look at pictures of the landscapes SPNI's founders experienced and compare them to those around us today, the accelerated development comes into crystal clear focus. While celebrating the phenomenal achievement this represents, we can't forget the environmental problems that have been created in the process. SPNI's 60 projects, we have hundreds of projects actually, all over the country, and uh, this year, for 60 years of Israel, we have worked together with the 60 Year Society, and their 60 Years organization is doing all kinds of projects all over Israel to really uh, bring into focus, you know, how how what has happened over the rapid development of Israel, what's happened since from 1948 to today, 2008, how have we so quickly developed a country, what exactly does that mean on the ground, and uh, what it what it meant. Was the, the environment got tossed to the side and, and things were moved ahead really quickly. What? You're going you're gonna to have to funnel uh, toxic chemicals into the rivers of Israel? Well, that's okay. We have to build these buildings. That's okay. We have to develop this agriculture and we have to do it really, really quickly. So in any case, SPNI is working on uh, 60 projects for 60 years of Israel all over the country and uh, we have actually a book that illustrates what these projects are and the book is bilingual in Hebrew and in English and if anybody wants a copy, they're welcome to call my department and, uh, and we'll be happy to provide it to them. And it gives a pretty good overview of what is being done in the environment all over Israel. Um, so it's, it's hard to kind of give you an overview myself because it would take a long time because there's so much going on in every area of the country. And there's so, there's so much that needs to be addressed to sort of compensate for this uh, rapid overdevelopment of the state of Israel. But if you, if you take a look at the direction that uh, the SPNI is going in particular, that is that we're taking a very scientific focus. And uh, we're looking exactly not only at uh, how Israel has been developed, but how it is being developed today, how and what that will, how this will impact, how it will be developed in the future. What is Israel's planning policy? Is the government really thinking about that? Or are they just throwing things up here and there randomly? Okay, which uh, is in Israel, in uh, the planning society, it's not very politically correct. But people like to say that the Arabs develop randomly when they build a house here and there, and they don't uh, have a sustainable planning concept for their villages. Okay, and this is and this is looked down on as not a sustainable way of planning. But is Israel really planning our development so much more sustainably? Well, I would argue that yes, we are. Part mostly because of the work of SPNI, and unfortunately not really any other organization in Israel in the private or not, uh, or in the government sector. And why is that? That is because we employ a large number of uh, urban planners and planners on the national level. Our Open Landscape Institute, for example, we have people working on GIS so that any plan that's being brought up to the local or the urban uh, or the uh, urban or the uh, national planning council, any plan that's being brought up for raised for development, we show scientifically what is going to happen if this is implemented in 10, 20, 50 years? 
How, how much is this going to stretch over this road that you want to build here? This, this chemical factory you want to build there? How much is this going to stretch over in time? And I think that it's important that Israel begin to plan our country in a smarter way. We're no longer in the rush situation that we were in 50 years ago. And now it's time that we think in a smart way. And I think that the government is listening to us. And in recent years, we've made incredible headway with uh, Yoav Sagi, the head of the Open Landscape and founder of the Open Landscape Institute, taking a huge prize this year from the planning. They, he took the prize from the Planning Institute this year in Israel for having the largest impact on the government, on planning policy, and on things like this, because the government is listening to us. And, and what we're saying is we're never saying, don't build at all. You know, we're saying, if we're going to build, let's build sustainably, let's build smartly, let's do it all in a smart way, and, uh, and let's not just throw things up here and there. And so, uh, you know, it's not, it's not the, in the interests all the time of business. They rather do things as quickly as possible. But they're starting to learn that they're going to have to get our advice and they're going to have to work with us. Otherwise, we're going to oppose their plan and they're going to lose. Because what's happening, what we're seeing is in the National Planning Council, SPNI is having the upper hand in most cases. They're saying, yes, we need to plan things in a sustainable way. And businesses are beginning to see that they better consult with us from the beginning and do things in a sustainable way and avoid the struggle of us opposing them, which is the perfect way to do things, you know, from the beginning to plan things in the smart way so that we don't have to oppose anybody. And uh, so I think that we're starting to go in a really good direction in Israel. And it's, it's sort of brilliant, really. You have the sustainable planners influencing the planning system. And this is, has been a major focus of SPNI for a very long time, is specifically planning land use. That's been our major issue. And, uh, you know, of course, there are starting to be other hot issues in Israel, as in all of the worlds, like global warming, for example. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and uh, air pollution, which is a major issue. Tel Aviv, according to a study in 2004, has worse air pollution than any um, city in Europe. And uh, Jerusalem's air pollution is up on the level of Tel Aviv. But at the same time, uh, SPNI has seen progress. The Tel Aviv and Jerusalem branches have seen progress with the uh, municipalities agreeing to develop a light rail. And and in in Tel Aviv, it's going to be partially a subway. And uh, unfortunately, here in Israel, transportation, private transportation, is one of the major reasons for uh, air pollution in the cities. It's not that we have tons of toxic uh, waste going on in Jerusalem or Tel Aviv, but uh, but the way that the city is developed and built in Jerusalem that you have mountains all around it. The air is sort of trapped in there. And so you have to um, you have to think about the city of Jerusalem in a very uh, holy way. And I like how your book t- connects Judaism to uh, the environment. And I think this is particularly relevant when it comes to Jerusalem. Because how can we call the holy city you know, the Irak Dusha also the most polluted city in the region? possibly in the world, is this a horrifying thought to think about Jerusalem as not the holy city, but the most polluted city, the city that gives an example of how bad can you get, how polluted can a city get, and then you give Jerusalem as the example. It's worse than any city in New Jersey. It's worse than any city in Ohio. Is this what we want for the, the holy city? So I think it's time now that people who didn't consider themselves environmentalists in the United States, in Europe, they supported Israel, but they wanted to support other causes because environment wasn't their thing. I think it's time those people start to change the way they think. And if they don't do it now, and it's already the most polluted city, then what do they really imagine is going to happen to Jerusalem in 20 years? It's going to get better 
on its own, while they continue to say the environment isn't their thing, they come to Jerusalem, they can't breathe, and they, they say, ugh, terrible what they're doing. No, it's terrible that you guys are not supporting the environmental movement. We need everybody who's supporting SPNI for all these years and all the other wonderful environmental groups in Israel. Well, I applaud you. You people are the forward thinkers. You people are saving our country. Thank God for you. Thank God for you. But what about all the other people who say, environment is not my thing. I think it's time that environment has to be their thing, especially when it comes to Israel, a very small country with the size of New Jersey. And unfortunately, it is already too late. The damage has been done. And it's not that you can say now, well, now's the time to become an environmentalist. Now is the time that we have to start, unfortunately, to... to um, to do major improvements like they tried to do Superfund projects to reclaim rivers in the United States and to uh, fix the pollution and to renovate those rivers and make them clean again. This is the state that we're in in Israel today. Our rivers are ruined. Our air is ruined. Everything is totally ruined. And we're at the point where we need to start doing massive overhaul of everything to make our country. We want it to be the land of milk and honey. We want to be a light unto nations. Unfortunately, we now have are stuck with a situation where we were not thinking all these 50 years. Everything is totally polluted, and it's now time to clean things so that we could be the land of milk and honey, so that we could be a light unto nations. We now have to go forward where every person who loves Israel is an environmentalist. Every person who loves Israel thinks of SPNI as their best friend. And you know what? We would like every person to be our best friend. That's definitely our goal. Uh, we love Israel because we say loving Israel is our nature. But that's what it is. Loving Israel is our nature. If we don't love Israel's nature, then how much do we love Israel? Do we want all of Israel to look like Tel Aviv? I don't think anybody wants that. But, they, but people don't think about that except for environmentalists who are already slanted in that direction. Now, with so many issues coming up every year, you know, I could talk about uh, small things like, uh, you know, uh, what's happening now with uh, Timna Crater and, uh, you know, or, or what, what are re the real estate development plans right now with uh, the Lachish Creek area, you know, what are the recent things that have come up over the last few months. But what's important to know is that SPNI is the watchdog of every single issue. There are issues coming up every day. Issues being raised in the in the regional and local and national planning councils every day. That not everybody around the world has time to keep on top of every single issue that's being raised. But we are the watchdog, and we are a nonprofit organization, and we are dependent on the support from the public, as are the other nonprofits working for the environment here in Israel. And I have to say that we do not have enough support to really do the job that is needed from us. And we have made incredible progress in recent years. The environment is starting to be the direction that the government thinks of. We are starting to be, some, we are starting to be an organization, not just SPNI, also Israel Union for Environmental Defense, also the Heschel Center, all the important organizations in Israel for the, working for the environment are being consulted by the government on various issues, which is wonderful. You really start to see progress in these issues. Instead of having to, uh, you know, f fight up, run uphill to fight against something that they know we're going to win anyway. They're consulting us in the beginning. So we are starting to see progress. But uh, we, we still need to reach the mainstream and we need to have everybody knowing about what's going on with Israel's environment from year to year. We need, instead of 6,000 people in the United States reading our newsletter, which really tells you about what's happening in the environment today, 
you know, you, Richard, you're aware of what's going on in Israel's environment today. You're reading our newsletter. You're reading IUED's newsletter, the Heschel Center newsletter. Most uh, people who love Israel are not reading these three newsletters and do not know what's going on with Israel's environment today. And this is the future of Israel. So I will say, uh, you know, SPNI as uh, not only the oldest environmental nonprofit organization in Israel, but the largest, with the widest range of activities. Um, a fair sample of our work in urban branches, the Environmental Protection Division, the Open Landscape Institute, Environmental Education, Tourism, the Israel Trails Committee, which also comes under the head of, of SPNI. You would think it would be a government thing that does the uh, Israel Trail. We we came up with somebody who worked for SPNI, Ori Devir, along with a couple of other people, came up with the idea for the Israel Trail a trail that would run all the way from a lot to the north of the country, from one end of the country to the other, and uh, we maintain the trail signage. You know, this is done by a non-profit organization. And uh, how many people contact us would like to hike the Israel Trail? I say, this is wonderful. I wish everybody who comes to Israel will come spend two months. It takes actually a month and a half for the average person. Hike the Israel Trail, get to know Israel's nature, and then say, you know what, I do want to be a closer part of well, the future of what's happening with Israel. Israel's nature and uh, and birding, of course. You know we are on the major migration route from uh, Europe to Africa, and something like 500 million birds stop in Israel on their way to Africa every year. And Israel is actually the holy land for birds of the world. When they after they've traveled six or seven hundred kilometers, whatever it is, they have a maximum that they can fly until they must stop for food and rest. And when they have to stop for food and rest, every one of those birds is in Israel. And they stop at the Hula Swamp in the north. They stop at the Jerusalem Bird Observatory in Jerusalem. They stop in a lot. And there's major places, there's major centers of birding migration where ornithologists who aren't interested in Israel per se, they all come here because this is the major place to watch birds in the world. This is a superpower for ornithology. And it's a major place for ecotourism. Everybody is starting to come from Israel to Israel if you have any interest in birds because you can watch 10, 20, 30,000 birds landing at a time. You know, cranes. You want to see the massive, biggest landing of cranes in the world. You have to come to Israel. And we are doing incredible birding conservation and we're doing collaborative projects with Europe and uh, even doing some work with Africa and uh, working to preserve, you know, the species that are being lost and this is something that Israel has a major responsibility towards is the birds of the world. If we are not looking out for the birds of the world, mm-hmm. then something bad something bad is going to happen to them because we are uh, we, we have a sort of a, a stewardship over them uh, since so many of them are coming here and looking for food and looking for rest and they must find it here. Mm-hmm. or they're not going to make it. Birds actually drown. I don't know if you know this, but mm-hmm. when birds are flying over water, if they have if they don't if they run out of uh, energy which they store in their bodies, then they actually fall to the water and they drown. And th- this is, you know, this is the responsibility of Israel that we have to make sure our our, our wetlands are preserved, for example. And in the 1950s, when SPNI was founded and the Hula wetlands were being drained, actually several species became extinct because of Israel's action. And I think we really learned from this. You know, that's, that's why the, the nature lovers and scientists decided to found SPNI, because they were horrified that this was how they wanted to stop, but they didn't succeed. But uh, in the early 90s, sections of the, of the wetlands, the Hula wetlands, were reflooded, and uh, And that's brought a lot of birds back. But also, we do, SPNI does major projects with uh, kibbutzim, 
and uh, and other farms in the north, agricultural. The reason the wetlands were drained in the first place was to create agricultural lands. And now what we do is those those uh, farmers were putting out pesticides for the birds because the birds were eating their fish. They, you know, they're fish farmers. And so obviously they, they need to make a living on the one hand. On the other hand, we have this responsibility, this stewardship to these birds. And so uh, what do we do? We made this deal with the farmers. Uh, Dan alone in the Israel Ornithological Center and the Israel I, the IOC, of course, is a part of SPNI as well, uh, made a deal with the farmers in the north and said, what are we going to do? We're going to uh, take the cast-off fish that they were dumping into the Kinneret and actually polluting the Kinneret with the fish that can't be sold because it's too small or it's malformed or something. And uh, we would take all this fish and we'd dump it near the uh, near the swamp and where we have them dump it nearby. And by dumping all their cast-off fish, the birds are attracted to this now and they're no longer putting out the pesticides. So we worked out this sort of compromise solution with all these uh, farmers in the north and it's it's working very well you know not only do the birds have an easier access to the food that they need but also the uh, the fish farms are no longer being attacked mm-hmm. so you see kind of a, a, an example of where a sustainable solution can be found and it doesn't have to be yes or no it doesn't have to be that there's a bad guy in every picture instead you sort of create win-win solution uh, by looking forward in a, in a positive direction for the environment for wildlife and um and what we'd like to say is SPNI and you keeping the promise of the promised land. Okay, sounds well, sounds great. Maybe can you tell us a little bit more about the educational programs that uh, SPNI has, you know, going into the schools and uh, things like that. Oh, wonderful. Good thinking. The SPNI, the SPNI's education division is one of our most important divisions. We definitely see the youth as our future and uh, we have a program called Children Make a Difference. And this program is in schools, public schools all over the country. And the children learn about not only uh, nature, but environmental issues in their area. So it's a curriculum that's it's a national curriculum that's been developed by educators here at SPNI in our national headquarters. And uh, and all the madrachim, the people who are teaching the courses all over the country in the classroom, um, are not only te- are teaching the national curriculum, but it's also being adapted to each area so that the children learn what environmental issue is affecting their town, affecting their neighborhood. And aside from learning the scientific things about nature and sharing that with their parents when they go, you know, many of the families all over Israel love to go out and check out the wildflowers in the spring. Mm-hmm. It's something special about Israel is that people really do like to go out into nature. And I feel like this is one of the huge successes that SPNI has had with our tourism division is that we made nature accessible to Israelis. And now they consider themselves, you know, people who go to travel in nature. And they do it more than many other people you see. You go out to see the wildflowers in the spring and you, you might see 5,000 randomly. No event is happening. You might just see 5,000 people out there checking out the kit families with their children, having picnics, checking out the wildflowers in a given site. And you're like, how could there be so many people here? There must be some event. No, it's just Israelis going out to look at the wildflowers. And one of the reasons this is, is their kids are telling them, you know, oh, we learn about all these different kind of wildflowers in school. And the kids teach their parents about what's going on with the environment in their communities. And the parents get more involved. 
and, and the kids get involved. And the kids actually sometimes organize things. They organize protests. They do in Tel Aviv, they do walking in Tel Aviv. And they did a, a educate Tel Aviv about how you can walk from place to place and not just uh, take a car everywhere. And uh, and this is like a whole uh, campaign that was started by the children of Tel Aviv who were in Israel, who were in SPNI's environmental education program. And, uh, you know, projects like that in every city in Israel, each time the children are choosing which issue is important to them, important to their town, how do they want to get involved? And this is a part of the education program. And uh, many of the schools do, uh, in Jerusalem in particular, many of the schools do uh, community gardening. They do an organic community garden uh, with com- full, complete with compost, community compost center uh, on the school premises. And they can grow whatever they want. And they don't just uh, grow plants, but they also they develop a rock garden, so they develop borders, and they're responsible for actually landscape architecture. The kids learn a little bit about sustainable and organic uh, landscape ar- architecture, which the kids have to come up with a plan. What is this going to look like? They do it together with like a landscape architect, and then they bring their proposal forward to the principal, get it approved, and then they transform their school and beautify. Many times these kids have these like chain link fences and the school you know was sort of developed very rapidly like the rest of Israel and it doesn't look so beautiful particularly in poor neighborhoods and these schools are being totally transformed and the kids are getting excited about recycling and composting and then they go and educate their not only their parents but if they see their uh, relatives you know on the Chagim during the holidays during the Jewish holidays or you know or their friends families if they see anybody not recycling not composting then they say why are you throwing your organic waste in the garbage and when this comes from your children, it's like, it's shameful, but it's shameful in a way. Like, if I were to say to you, Richard, why are you not composting? It comes off as a little condescending, unless you're the kind of person who already composts, then you're to say, well, this is, like, insulting or whatever. You're going to take it in an offensive way, you know? You're not going to take it in a nice way. But when it comes from your child, <laughs> the way that you receive this is, you know, it's transforming. Everybody knows this. You know, people are transformed by their children. And so children are teaching their parents about the things that they're learning in the environmental education program all over the country, and it's changing the way we think in Israel. It's changing, it's transforming the culture in Israel to a more environmentally aware culture. And you know, I would say it's happening slowly. I'm not going to say we're on the level of the United States, for example, today. I would say we're getting there much faster than Americans probably realize. You know, Americans come here and many of the times they have the same reaction that I had, is that you still see Israelis throwing garbage in the street, which is a terrible thing, you know, and this is where the Schusterman and Pratt program comes in, A Beautiful Israel, Yofi Shal Yisrael, and this uh, A Beautiful Israel program is a part of the environmental education program, Children Make a Difference, whereby school children all over the country are doing litter cleanups, and, and once a year, they're taking their families with them on litter cleanup, but the kids are really learning, why is it important that we don't litter? And, and it needs to reach this level. It needs to be sort of a national program where the impact is massive and reaching every little corner and crevice of Israel. And if you want to reach every corner and crevice of Israel in terms of environmental education, you have to do it through SPNI's environmental education because we, our program is the most far-reaching. And we work, because, because we work directly with the Ministry of Education, and we do get some funding for this program from the Ministry of Education, the funding also uh, comes from private donors, such as A Beautiful Israel. You have uh, amongst the donors who contribute to that are Schusterman and Pratt Foundations. But also uh, the environmental education is heavily financed financed by uh, the Israel Electric Company and um, 
and uh, other companies that you wouldn't think of as classically giving to environmental issues like um, uh, uh, the chemical company in Beersheba, you know, contributing to the environment in Israel. Well, they're contributing to the environmental education. And this is fantastic. And even though we tell them when they give the money, we tell them, listen, even if you give this money, we, we're still going to uh, fight against you if you're doing anything bad for the environment. And they say, yes, we know that, you know. But they're specifically giving money to environmental education. And so uh, you have this, the reason that we are in the schools all over the country is because a part of the Ministry of Education, and it's a part of the curriculum. And we want it to be a part of their regular curriculum instead of an extra um, option that schools can choose. Every school that has this program is a school that comes to us, asks us, they want to have it. They heard about how many other schools in their community have it, and they want to have it in their school. But instead of having it as an alternative thing that schools had to pay for, we would like to, they have to contribute towards it also, so that where the school really wants it. Except for only some cases where it's a special needs school, or school for the deaf, or something like that, where SPNI comes up with special donation for it, like uh, Rosalie Davison gives money to a special school for the deaf in Jerusalem called Kol Yisrael Chavarim, all of Israel are friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a wonderful school. It's a school uh, of Arab and Jewish children who are deaf. And uh, they, these children particularly connect to the community garden and working with uh, the, the nature and work, putting their hands in the dirt and planting something and see it grow is the kind of thing these kids have this powerful connection to that that they uh, and, and they all communicate through sign language they feel like they are directly connected to uh, to what we're teaching them in any case I'll say that I think that the environmental education is having a, a powerful effect on our culture and slowly but uh, one of the you know important things about this program is that we are intending to be in any school for five years and after that time why are we going to leave that school because we're not just teaching the children our mission, SPNI's mission, is to teach the teachers. That's right. We want every teacher in Israel to become an environmental educator whatever subject they're teaching, math science, history can they incorporate environment and nature into it in some way? And in which way, in any way that they can do it, they are being given the lesson plans. They are being given the curriculum. And they are being shown how to do it by somebody who's showing them interactive lesson plans. The kids, I watched a, plan, a lesson plan in Beersheba where the kids were taken outside the school by the SPNI guide who was teaching them about how rivers get polluted, how rivers get obstructed. Some, you know, sometimes rivers get obstructed in a natural way. A tree falls into a river mm-hmm. and it obstructs the river. It doesn't, it's not only through the hands of man, but this is part of where stewardship of the land comes in, is that man has to come and remove the tree from the river, otherwise something is going to happen to the way that this river flows. And if we want it to flow in the same way, then we need to maintain those waterways. And so uh, we, dug, we dug little uh, canals in the, in the dirt outside the school, and, uh, and she created several kinds of obstructions, and the, kids, and the kids themselves were responsible for digging each canal, and they saw how the, the many different ways that a river gets obstructed or polluted. And, uh, and the kids were, you know, were asked questions and were asking questions throughout it, and you could see the kids really involved. The way that we are coming up with these lesson plans is to, make, is to challenge the kids and to make them think in new ways. And they really get involved in the whole idea of what's happening to our nature in Israel. And so, we, you know, this is SPNI's mission, is not just to make people really love Israel's nature. You know, really love Israel's nature. That is our goal. That everyone in the, should love it, but they should also understand what is happening with it. Okay, Marvel. You know, just for the record, if you just repeat your name and your title with SPNI. I am, this is Michelle Levine, and I'm the spokesperson in English and the English Marketing Manager for the Society for the Protection of Nature in Israel. Loving Israel is our nature.